one of the biggest frustrations I've got with businesses are businesses that just won't take my money. And I'm willing to bet that uh, for at least a couple of you, your couples are the same. We're like, we wish we could just pay them. I've got my Amex. I just want to pay my celebrant. Uh, you haven't sent me the invoice or I can't find the invoice or I haven't got the invoice reminder. Honestly, it's a common problem that so many wedding businesses and marriage celebrants deal with. And we have got a solution for you. And this is a tease for that. I'm going to tell you about it at the end of the program. This is a tease for FreshBooks. Welcome to the Celebrant Talk Show. It's Josh Withers and joining me, Sarah Ed. Hello. Hello, everyone. Another exciting week in the world of marriage celebrancy. I think we're like we're weeks away from starting like a daily newspaper on this topic. Almost. I have to say the Melbourne celebrants are all freaking out a little bit because we are being told that we're about to have the biggest rain event in 17 years. And, of course, it's December, so not many couples have backup plans. Ah, uh, the old backup plan. Yes. You know, I'm really lucky in Brisbane. Um, there's this really, um, yeah, you know, I'm going to share it for podcast listeners because it's, it's not like a massive secret, uh, but the Tattersalls Club in, in the Brisbane city uh, is is a really well-priced and actually quite a beautiful backup option. It's got this massive grand old room, like the kind of thing you'd have a ball in. And uh, it's the place where the queen would go and have dinner if she was in town. You know, it's amazing. And you can rent it for a ceremony space on the weekend for two fitting. <laughs> Shut up. That's no. awesome. So, like, if I've ever got a Brisbane City wedding, um, yeah, through the summer months, or even if it looks like it's going to rain pretty terribly this weekend, I'm like, guys, just throw 250 at Tattersalls. And uh, you know what? You might not use it, but if you need it, then you've got an awesome place as opposed to whatever – kind of backup you can find on the day, which sometimes is a bit stressful and it's, it's unnecessary stress. Absolutely agree. Actually, even I had a wedding in Sydney um, uh, two weeks ago and uh, they, they were expecting pretty big rain and and even on the day it looked like we might have to use the option, but uh, they're at Centennial Park in Sydney and there's a community hall across the road, one of those old kind of fun ones, and um, and they just rented that for the for the time. It cost them maybe uh, $185 or something like that and they just had it ready in case we needed to go somewhere as opposed to the whole racing around of mid-ceremony. I, I don't know. It's like I, I don't like that additional stress in the ceremony. Like I think the ceremony should look good, but more than that, it should feel good. Absolutely. Sometimes feeling good will come uh, at an expense to looking good, but, hey, at least we all enjoyed it. And the last thing your guests want is to sit through the reception in wet clothes. Yeah, God, I can, I've can. i I've been drenched in a suit before. I had a ceremony at Springbrook and the couple wanted to do it in the rain. I'm like, well, cool, you're paying. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a really yucky walk home. <laughs> yeah, hideous, hideous. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of brides saying, but it's November, December. I don't need a backup plan. You know, the weather's no. Particularly in Melbourne, you need a backup plan regardless of what time of year it is because there's just no guarantees. And I'm seeing a lot of my colleagues either standing outside in 46-degree weather, which is ridiculous, or uh, recording videos in their car when they are looking like a drowned rat because they've gotten caught in a massive down a deluge. So, Everyone needs a backup plan for extreme weather, whether that's heat or rain or freezing cold. That's my mantra for today. Backup plans, people, backup plans. Luckily, I don't have any weddings this weekend, so it's not going to affect me. <laughs> I, uh, I always find it weird because um, it just doesn't happen that often, but it's happened the last few weeks when people have the ceremony away from the reception venue. I really feel like the norm for me is that the reception and the ceremony are on the same kind of you know, physical address. Like it might be that the ceremony is down in the paddock or something like that, but generally – it's a single address invite, single venue invite, uh, which is so the norm for me. But then I can tell you that the last couple of times I've been in Adelaide and Melbourne, not the case. I feel like Adelaide and Melbourne, they just really love having this ceremony far, far away. Like literally I was in Adelaide this week and just gone um, for a ceremony at McLaren Vale at Penny Hill, uh, Penny's Hill Winery. And then they were going back into the city. It was like an hour drive. Yeah. Um, and and uh, while I was there, I met with another couple that are marrying in Adelaide next year. Very similar consequence. They're... Um, they're getting married at Carrick Hill, which uh, I think is 30, 45 minutes out of the city, and they're going back into the city for their reception. It, it, like, I don't know, is, is that the norm in Melbourne? It's certainly not the norm, but I had, like, it does happen. And to be honest, I kind of try and talk couples out of it because I say to them, Are you going to get a bus? 
Like, are you, how are you going to get people from one place to another? Oh, they'll just drive. Okay. And then they're not going to be able to drink. So are they going to have a good time? You know, like you have to actually think about these things. Um, and I know that we're kind of preaching to the converted here because we are mainly talking to celebrants and other assorted wedding industry folk. But I think these are important discussions to have with our couples about, for me, it's about respecting the guests. And look, I suppose the reason this comes up is like when you're at the same venue, there's no, you don't need a wet weather backup because worst case scenario, you just step into where the reception's happening. And you do it on the dance floor. That's it. Yeah. Well, and which, you know what, some of you might think, ah, oh, it's yucky, but hey, at least we're dry. Yes. And and you can still, you know, like usually, unless it's like torrential downpour, you, like, you, you can usually step aside for, for photos later or, you know, I even... um. I, uh, Pete Hordern, um, Melbourne celebrant. And I actually, I feel like I've missed an important tidbit of the ceremony of this, um, conversation. I can't remember whether they couldn't have the ceremony at Fitzroy Gardens because of the rain or, but for some reason they, they had the ceremony in a church. Um, but they, they kind of had like a little mini, just them and their pastor, um, that they, they, they did the ceremony in Fitzroy. So they kind of had a second ceremony that day, one in, in Fitzroy Gardens where they wanted to be. I think, sorry, Pete, if you, if you're listening to this screaming at the, uh, the iPhone, but I, I think, I think they wanted to, but it was raining. And so they went back when it wasn't raining. It's had a little mini ceremony of their own. Yeah. Cute. That's cute. Yeah. I like it. Hey, uh, we have got a, uh, torrential podcast to get through. <laughs> torrential means a lot, doesn't it? Is that yes. what it means? Yeah. <laughs> Sure. It's usually to do with rain and downpour, but hey, let's use it for a lot. Uh, the Australian Bureau of Statistics um, brought out their, uh, their their stats on marriage and just marriage-related stats um, for 2016. So these aren't for the obviously current year because we can't report on the current year because that's the 30th of November. Uh, but they've released the 2016 numbers, and it was um, it's, it's funny seeing how this has been reported. The Sydney Morning Herald uh, came out and said it's a annual marriages reaches new low, and uh, like literally the tagline for the article is an industry in need to help marriages falls to all town actually there's there's a there's a weird error in the in the tagline yeah there is <laughs> but an, an industry in need of help wow i can't believe that the, the city morning herald has actually let the typo get through because i was just reading it word for word and it's literally been sitting there for 24 hours yeah. and, and and it's not even that it's not even a justified headline um sarah you're the you're the the you know maths numbers nerd, nerd amongst us it's okay you're allowed to say nerd it's totally fine i am a nerd and i have gone and looked at the actual data cubes which are available for everybody to look at on the abs website which is www.abs.gov.au that's the australian bureau of statistics and you just type and we'll put the links in the uh, in the show notes as well yeah you just type in marriage and all the marriage stats come up and so what the uh figures are saying the figures that they report on are always marriages registered in a year. They don't report on marriages that occurred in a year. They report on marriages registered in a year. Who knows why? That's just what they've chosen to do. Now, there was a uh, rather large number of 2015 marriages that were registered in 2016. Uh, those of us in Victoria will remember that there was up to a sort of 10 to 12 week lag time over summer 15, 16 um, of marriages being registered. So because of that, they're saying that there's more marriages than usual from the previous year that are in this year's statistics. However, even accounting for that, so if we account for that, we go down to about 4.5 marriages per 1,000 people, which is the crude marriage rate, which, yes, I'll accept is the lowest number ever since we've been doing statistics. However, it's only by 0.3%. We're not talking about a huge, massive drop. And if we look at the crude marriage rate of marriages registered in the year, which is what every other year looks at, it's actually gone up 49 in a thousand as versus to 4.8 the year before. So yes, marriage is on a slight decline, but we're not talking about massive numbers here. For me, the most interesting thing in this set of numbers is that the number, the percentage of marriages solemnized by civil celebrants has increased dramatically, not dramatically, that's a big word, but it's increased a lot. So uh, in 2015, the number of marriages solemnized by a civil celebrant as opposed to a minister of religion was 74.9%. In 2016, it was 76.4%. That's a rise of 1.5%. I think that's significant. 
obviously not statistically significant for those of you who are stats nerds, haven't done the numbers on that, don't know if it's statistically significant. However, I think that's a big jump. Uh, and I think that that's something for all of us as civil celebrants to go, yeah, that's cool. We're clearly doing a good job because more and more people are coming to us. So that's a bit ace. Why do you think there is a significance in the number of marriages registered per year? Because obviously I see the, the direct thing is we're talking about an industry, um, like a, the market size of an industry. So there's there's that. But, uh, but year to year, is there a cultural significance? Um, I don't know. I think it's just that people like to know stuff. People like to look at numbers and people like to go, yeah, okay, so that's how many marriages there were. And I don't know if it's really a cultural, if it's just a nerdy, you know, numbers thing. Okay. Yeah, no, I suppose. Most of the stuff that the ABS does is about nerdy number stuff rather than anything that's, you know, specifically useful to the wider population. Their their nerdy number stuff is useful for people who work in the industry or people who want to, you know, invest in certain industries and things like that. But really to the wider population, it's just nerdy number stuff. Yeah, okay, cool. I'll take that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't really have too much insight into this. Like the, the Sydney Morning Herald article was a bit – you know, damning like the you know the industries in in peril. Like, well, you know what? We've all got jobs. We're all pretty good. Like, I feel okay about the wedding industry. It's it's a, it's a good place to be. Yeah, me too. Although somebody did say to me yesterday, "Wow, that's amazing. That means you've managed to build a successful business in a time when your industry is in decline." Go you! Look at that! Yay! Thumbs up! And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll take that. Yep. Any anything that I can use to pat myself on the back will do. Mate, I'm gonna call mum. Let her know. <laughs> So I think that the big take-home here is, yes, there were slightly less marriages, but more of them were performed by civil celebrants. Yeah. So for us, you know, our work is increasing uh, relative to ministers of religion, and that can only be a good thing for our part of the industry. And look, I also know, like I, I, I have, uh, I've had emails, um, I think of two in the last month, of uh, heterosexual couples, um, and also there's extra couples that are that are not heterosexual in a different gender relationship um, that have been waiting for the marriage equality stuff to pass Parliament. Just so, even if it doesn't affect them directly you know, to their relationship, um, they think it's important, and so they're waiting. Absolutely. And so, like that's that's actually. I'm not going to say it's going to count for that much of a downturn, but I'm sure that there's other people that um, that value marriage to the point where they want everyone to be able to experience it. Absolutely, I even know a celebrant who's in that in that uh, bag. She hasn't. They, you know, they've been together for years. They've got kids, but they didn't get married because they didn't want to until everyone could. So, they, I mean, that you know, I think we're going to see a little spike in those numbers. But as I think we talked about in the last episode, we're not necessarily going to see a spike in massive, huge weddings with big expenditure. We're just going to see a spike in people getting married. Do you think we could call it torrential? No. No, okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Just wanted to check. Moving right along. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, Talking about moving right along... um, uh, I, I don't know exactly um, which point uh, triggered Karen to email us, uh, but it's a conversation that I'm forever having, and I've had it in Facebook groups. Um, I've had it with you personally on podcasts. It's it's a conversation that I forever want to have, and um, and the conversation is about money. conversation is about money. It's about charging. It's about fees, and uh, it's something that um that I'm always talking about because I think it's important. I think I think uh, us as professionals and as creators, us charging, like what we charge, I think that says a lot about us as people, about um, the industry, about our skill, about our profession, um, about how we see the market existing. And so I think it's just such an interesting topic, but it kind of sits in that whole realm as uh, politics and religion, like don't talk about it. And I'm not even coming at it from a place of strength. Like I'm not coming at it as some kind of um, savior of charging you know, good money as if I've always done that and I'm like a godsend and like I'm a god's gift to people that should charge well because I'm not because um, I, I come from 
from a, a background of yeah, not not poverty, but like we're certainly certainly not rich. But more than that, we don't. I don't come from a family that ever talked about money. Um, I know one of the greatest things that uh, the Brits brought into my life is just the ability to talk about just money. And, and yeah, I'll be honest, it's still like it's not completely natural for me. Like I have to kind of stretch myself when I do it. I have to. Yeah, push myself out of my comfort zone. And, and whether it's just personal finances with Brit and I, whether it's about business finances, whether it's about how much we're charging, I'm charging too much, too little, like it doesn't come naturally to me. So the reason I'm talking about it and the reason we're going to talk about it today is, uh, well, first of all, Karen brought it up. But second of all, I think it's important and it's a conversation that gets a lot of people offside. And I already know that people are going to email in and please do like please write in please tell me that i'm wrong because the more important thing to me isn't that i'm right the more important thing to me is that we're talking about it because if we can talk about it if we can start those conversations and you know maybe maybe i change your mind on something and maybe you change my mind on something i can even I, like i know for a fact that already sarah and i there's probably going to be a few things that we I, I i'm not you know disagree or just you know we might um like you might have a different philosophy on it and, and that's okay because this conversation around money is so integral to us as celebrants, as us as creatives, as business people, and that I think I'd rather have the conversation and be wrong Absolutely than not have enough. the conversation at all. I would like to provide a little bit of background about celebrant pricing conversations. Yeah, that's a good intro. Yeah, <laughs> because a lot of people are really scared about talking about price. And there's a few reasons, well, there's one big particular reason for this that not everybody might be might be across. So for a long time in my early years as a celebrant, I mean, I'm only four years in, but in my first and second year. Back when I was a young celebrant. <laughs> I would hear people say, we can't talk about price. I can't tell you what I charge. You can't tell me what you charge because that's price fixing. No, 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 no. So people have gotten really scared because there was a terrible case several years ago. Basically what happened is Dally Messenger, who you know many people see as one of the godfathers of celebrancy, he's been around since the very beginning. I think he was the second or third celebrant ever appointed. Uh, he got together with a bunch of funeral celebrants and they were a little bit sick of not being paid enough for what they do. The history of funeral celebrancy in this country is that after a couple of years of uh, celebrants doing marriages, people started to ask them to do funerals. And while people kind of freaked out about that a little bit, some celebrants went, oh, okay, I could give that a go. But in terms of pricing, the funeral directors were used to just paying the priest the stipend amount, which was, you know, peanuts. I think today it's like $180 or $200. So that's what they were used to paying. So they went, well, we'll pay the celebrant the same, forgetting that the priest is actually getting a salary from the church. So he doesn't really need to be paid uh, to do a funeral because he's already getting paid. Whereas celebrants, this is our, this is the way we make our living. So uh, for a long time, the funeral directors would only pay the celebrants the same amount as they were paying the priests, the, the clergy. And so many years ago, uh, Dally Messenger sat down with a bunch of celebrants and said, you know, we need to write to the funeral directors and tell them that this is what we're going to charge from now on. And for a few years in Victoria in particular, that worked. It was fine. Every year they'd kind of write a letter as far as I'm, this is my understanding, they'd kind of write a letter to funeral directors saying this is what we're charging this year. And in Victoria, that was okay. And in Victoria, as far as I know, we're still paid the best of funeral celebrants in Australia, which horrifies me because we don't get paid very well. So others might be even worse. Anyway. Uh, but then one year, somebody decided to report them to the ACCC to say that they were price fixing. And because Dally's signature was on that letter, because he had written on behalf of this group of celebrants, he got pulled up before the ACCC for, you know, non-competitive behavior price fixing, which is all against the competitiveness laws. Uh, and he got a significant fine something around the $70,000, $80,000 mark. Now, this was a retired celebrant. Dally was essentially retired at the, at the time. Not We're not talking about a lot of money coming in here and suddenly had this $70,000 uh, fine to pay because of price fixing. Now, strictly, 
they were price fixing. So if we look at the ACCC, yes, what they were doing was price fixing, so that wasn't okay. However, talking about price, having a conversation with our colleagues, telling people what we charge, not price fixing. Two different things. Actually putting up your hand and going, we're all going to charge the same amount. We're acting as a block and we're telling you this is how much we're going to charge. That's price fixing. Having a conversation about price, not price fixing. So that's kind of the background to why some celebrants are very anxious about this uh, and about talking about these issues. But I think they're really important as all for all the reasons that Josh just said, it is really important to talk about money and price. So from here, um, uh, Karen Kramer called into the podcast and uh, and I wanted to, I suppose, throw to her for her comments. We'll talk around them. Uh, but also uh, I should, I suppose, disclose um, I purposely didn't Google Karen and I don't know Karen personally. And I, I do appreciate you calling to the show, Karen. Um, and uh, I suppose a bit of a tease. I don't completely agree with you, but the, the points you bring up um, are valid. And so they're welcome on the show, uh, but because you're a, you're a practitioning celebrant and, and your, your opinion and your thoughts matter on the, on the moment. But I wanted to respond to Karen's, um, comments. Before you do, just a disclaimer that I do know Karen. Hi, Karen. Um, and she's a Melbourne celebrant who I've had quite a lot to do with. And, but, and her, I agree, her points are absolutely valid and they raise issues that we need to talk about. And thank you to Karen for, calling in and bringing these things up because we might not have had this price conversation now if she didn't do that. So uh, Karen wrote in and um, she starts by, uh, I suppose, highlighting the variety of products and, and levels of pricing in the handbag industry. There are Louis Vuitton handbags, Chanel handbags, Gucci handbags, Fossil and Guess handbags. Then there are others, Strandbag handbags, Kate Hill handbags, Victoria Station handbags, etc., then there are those you buy in Bali, but that's another discussion. Most of the brands I mention can be found under the one roof in the same shopping centres, but in the end, they are all handbags and they all serve the purpose you need. You can buy them in the colours and size you like, choose the length of the handle and the type of opening, and you can choose the look you want. Sometimes you have more choice with the budget lines because the brand look of the higher quality ones determines a certain colour and style which is meant to set them apart. People like this. However, the cheaper ones do not detract from the higher quality ones and the higher quality brands do not pick at the budget line businesses for bringing them down. They simply choose a different location in the shopping centre to display their goods. And so it is with celebrants. First point of um, contention here is, I, uh, I suppose I just want to highlight straight up that handbags and humans are not the same thing. They're, 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 they're very different things. Um, and, uh, and my, my issue with this, cause I've, I've heard many people talk about it in different ways. I've even, I think I might have even used the conversation. Um, you know, there's, there's BMWs and there's who you and I's and, uh, but I've, I've ceased using that, um, description a couple of years ago because humans and humans charging for human services is not the same as a product. If only because there's a level of separation between the delivery of the product and the creation of the product. So if there's a handbag creator, um, the handbag creator uh, sits in his or her uh, workshop and they make a handbag and they create it and they, it might have cost them, say, $100 to, to make it, plus there's their time. And so so in that, they've, they've valued themselves to, say, $200. I'm just making up numbers. And then there's um, distribution costs and sales and marketing and retailing and putting electricity on and the whatever it might be and and the and the, that handbag then comes to a thousand dollars which honestly is 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 not a bad like that that's that's how business works everything has to be covered and so a thousand dollar handbag might have cost a hundred dollars on leather a hundred dollars in in the handbag creator and then the cost of running a business and that a thousand dollar handbag goes out there and has to compete in the market with all the other handbags but that handbag doesn't have feelings and emotions and it hasn't got it hasn't got a family asking what why why are you recording a podcast at eight fifty five on a Thursday morning or you know like those um those handbags are able to operate in the marketplace without any emotion. People can walk into the handbag shop, whichever retail kind of complex it might be, pick up a handbag, nah. Or the other people can fawn over and oh, I just want this handbag, and and that's that's where I see the handbag conversation falling apart. Yeah, look, I I 
agree with you to a point. However, I do see what Karen's trying to say here. She's trying to say there are different price points depending on uh, the consumer's ability to pay, what they're looking for. This is valid. You know, all those sorts of things. And essentially, essentially all those, uh, the different price points still do the same thing. They're still a handbag. However, maybe a cheaper Target handbag is not going to last as long as a Louis Vuitton handbag. Uh, so, you know, it, it is still a valid conversation that there are different price points for different consumers and different people charge different amounts because they have different reasons for being in the industry, which is something we'll get to in a minute, but different things have gone into that handbag. If we're talking about handbags, okay, so a Target handbag might be made from plastic, which doesn't cost as much as a Louis Vuitton handbag, which is made from hand-sewn leather, whatever, whatever. So less things might have gone into that handbag, but it still does the same thing in the end. So I'm, I'm not really sure now that I've talked that through, I'm not entirely sure that the point stands because that then says to me that if we use that for celebrants, then cheaper celebrants are doing less work than more expensive celebrants. And that's not the point Karen's trying to make. She's trying to say that in the end, you get the same outcome from a less expensive or a more expensive. So it shouldn't really matter what the price is. So I'm, yeah, I'm kind of on two, I'm on two thoughts about this. For me, it kind of stands up that yes, there are different price points for different consumers, but on the other hand, there is an element of differing quality in those different price points. Uh, and I do think that when we get to the barley knockoff issue, uh, well, that kind of shoots it in the foot because if they're the really cheap ones, then what we're saying is that the really cheap celebrants are giving less quality than the more expensive celebrants. And I don't think that's what Karen was trying to say either. So yeah, I'm kind of of two minds about this one, but anyway, let's move on to the next point. So uh, yeah, Karen goes on to highlight uh, that there's different reasons for people becoming celebrants. My reasons for becoming a celebrant may be different to others. My business plan is different to others. Mine is based on Point one, my personal reason for becoming a celebrant. Point two, my age and how long I see myself working in the industry. Point three, the available funds I have to promote my business and the length of time I have to make up those costs. Point four, my personal financial position, which may determine how much income I can make and how much I can afford to lose. Point five, other personal factors that I will take into consideration for my own best interest. And finally, point six, an annual review of my business sustainability. Now, these reasons should not preclude me from the market, nor should it be assumed that I am any less professional. The Attorney General will decide that. If people want high-end, they know where to look. If they want affordable, they have the option of shopping around. And if they still want the barley option, then perhaps they get what they pay for. So this is back to that uh, barley knockoff option, which uh, you mentioned before, Sarah. Uh, and yeah, it, it certainly throws a few holes in, in the handbag argument just because there's there's this human element around being a celebrant. Um, and if if I could if I could open up I suppose on the product side of celebrancy for a moment um we still yet to hear a final bit from Karen uh that that human element is is so much more valuable than than any piece of of uh, leather or pleather or plastic um you know I I don't know if anyone saw on Facebook a little while ago uh um Brit shared a photo of uh there was a photo of me doing a ceremony in um, in Bangalore, uh, a little, little, little bit inland from Byron Bay. And you wouldn't have known from the photo, but the day before we found out that we'd had um, a miscarriage. And 
And a handbag experiencing that is fine. The handbag just like has no feelings or emotions, or or it's um it's self worth and it's it's a security and they're providing for its family. It's just not tied up with that. Um and and as as much as I totally could have called someone in to to do that ceremony, that couple had they'd chosen me. That asked me to create this ceremony. We'd met and we'd talked, and totally in the event of an emergency, if I physically couldn't be there, I've got no doubt that one of one of our colleagues probably could have filled the hall fairly well. But um, but that couple that asked for me, that paid my fee, that seen value in what I do, and and so the next day I had to turn up and, and create a marriage ceremony, and that uh that came at a large emotional cost for me, um. Uh, so, so this is where the material goods versus human cost. Uh, that's that's where I really get stuck in on the point. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I do think that Karen makes some good points here, though, about celebrant. Different celebrants have different reasons for doing this work. So, as an example, I've heard of a celebrant who is ridiculously wealthy. And she does this work because she loves it. But because of that, she doesn't need the money. She doesn't need it to feed her family or to put a roof over their heads. So she charges very little. So where some people might say that's undervaluing the industry, other people might say, well, you know, she's just kind of doing it for the love. She doesn't have to charge if she doesn't want to. Um, So people have, celebrants have different reasons for doing this job. Celebrants also have different circumstances. So I know a lot of celebrants who are married to someone who brings in the big dollars and therefore they are in the lovely luxurious position of being able to just do 30 to 40 weddings a year of couples that they absolutely adore working with and that give them a great creative outlet and so forth, they still charge and they still charge uh, what they think they're worth, but they're not in a situation of having to provide for their family, having to feed their kids or put a roof over their head because their husband or wife does that for them. Um, You know, So we all do have different reasons we're in this. Me personally, it's just me. Uh, I have to pay my rent. I have to feed myself. I have to run my car. All of that is comes out of my celebrant income. So I have to be able to to charge an amount that allows me to do all of those things. But celebrants are in different spaces in their lives. So there is definitely a point where we go, okay, well, this celebrant is not charging as much, but that's because that celebrant has other money. So therefore they don't have to make their wage off celebrancy. They can therefore charge less and open up their services possibly to more consumers, but that doesn't mean they're doing a bad job. Absolutely. And, and there are different levels of practicing as a celebrant. Uh, I, yeah, I, I find it hard to emphasize to those positions that you're talking about merely because they're not my positions. I'm a, I'm a uh, 35-year-old um, a, a male adult and, and celebrancy. Um, my, my practicing as a marriage celebrant uh, provides for myself and my family. Um, uh, we've, we've got a few different brands around the industry, uh, but they're all directly related to, to the marriage ceremony. And so, so although Brit has um, her own business uh, and it's her brand that she manages, we're all like it's, it's not completely separate silo. Like we work together. You know, like I updated her website last night for a little thing. And so we're all like, we're not, you know, we're not in different buildings across town. <laughs> and so, um, so our, our, our business provides for our family. And so I suppose that's, that's probably where I, I, uh, feel jarred to talk about it is because I charge a fee that allows me to operate at this capacity, uh, to provide for my family. And, when I see other people not doing that, I, I find it hard to, I suppose, to completely understand that. I, you know, I don't know what it's like to be rich no. <laughs> <laughs> and, to, uh, and to, to, to be able to say, oh, I'll steal weddings for fun. I, I, I literally have no idea what that would be like. Um, if that is you, 
please call in and tell me. <laughs> I would like to experience that fantasy one day. Uh, if you're if you're retired from from regular work and marriage celebrancy is is your kind of a side beautiful thing. Um, I also don't understand that. I I've, I've got a. And I'm not questioning your work ethic, but I've I've got a work ethic that has me working most days, and and we have days off, and we have fun. We're going for a road trip around the around California next week. Um, but uh, but I I I work because that's all I know how to do when it comes to earning money and providing. And so uh, so so yeah. So with full disclosure, I do find it hard to emphasize those to those positions. I just want to talk about those uh, the people who do this as a hobby. Uh, because there are quite a lot of people who do, who say, I just want to do one wedding a month. This is a creative outlet for me. Uh, and I'm, I'm absolutely not trying to offend anyone here, but I struggle a little bit with that because I don't know many professions that you can just do as a hobby. Well, my, my doctor's a hobby. So I, when <laughs> if I'm ever feeling sick, ask him a call and I, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> So I just, you know, sometimes I kind of go, well, you're a, you know, you're doing this because it's a creative outlet and that's good. So therefore you don't have to charge as much because you make a full-time wage during the week and that's really great. But then that does cause those of us for whom this is a full-time gig, that can potentially cause us an issue Uh, because if you're charging less, then the consumers at large go, oh, well, why why would I pay three times what that person's charging when I'm going to get the same thing essentially? So, yeah, I struggle with that hobby thing and I'm, I know that a lot of my friends are in that position. I'm really, really strongly not trying to throw any of you under the bus or not trying to offend any of you, but it has always struck me as a little bit odd because I don't know many other professions that work in that way. And look, if you need to throw eggs at Sarah, send me a message. I'll get you a home address. It'll be great. <laughs> Josh will sort you out. <laughs> um, finally, uh, Karen made a pretty big request of the uh, the celebrant media, which is what I'm calling us now. <laughs> so can I respectfully request that we put a stop to howling at each other for devaluing our profession by undercharging without knowing all the circumstances and continue to concentrate on good training and understanding of the law and good public education, which will raise our professional profile and eventually filter the likes of the barley knockoffs, which could be a discussion for another day. Unfortunately, Karen, uh, this is not going to be a discussion for another day. This is going to be a discussion for today, and one that I hope doesn't cease. As I introed it with, um, and we've already gone fairly in-depth on the whole uh, money thing, uh, this is a conversation I think that is important to have. I uh, I see the the price, the fee, the cost of um, us doing a service as being closely integrated with with all of our existence as a celebrant. Whether it's in the marketplace in a marketing sense, whether it's in a product sense, and what we what we sell and buy, like like how we kind of package our product as a celebrant, but it's also directly linked to two other things: our um our self worth as a person. And also our skill level and our profession level, and uh, you, you know, I, I suppose I, I don't want to talk this whole conversation through. I've got a million things to say, but I think straight back to the code of practice, and literally, we're called as celebrants to operate to a higher level of professionalism, um, which you know, it it, it does it does it does kind of kind of hark back to what you're saying about hobbyist celebrants, who are, I'm sure are currently right now. Um, Googling voodoo dolls that look like you and I. And can I just note that I don't think any of those hobby celebrants do a bad job and I don't think that they shouldn't be in the industry. It's just something that I – it's just a point that I've always struggled with and I'm also not talking about celebrants who are doing this side by side with another job while they build up their business because obviously I did that for a long time and I'm only only just now in a position to sort of start dropping that that other work. But, yes – Agree. Yeah, you know, it's actually four years to the day right now that I um, had my first day of freedom from employment and uh, celebrated by going to Melbourne to go watch a live podcast recording. It was a friend's 100th episode. And so me and my friend Mark went down to Melbourne. First day of, uh, well, I guess, unemployment, I called it at the time, but self-employment as I look back now, uh, four years ago today. And uh, I spent the year before, a year and a half before, really strongly building the business. So, you, you know, I suppose... 
as a pretext, all of this, um, we're not we're not casting any aspersions. We're we're not we're not making any judgment calls. But I suppose I did want to put some points down that might be goalposts for some people. It might be realignment posts for others. Um, and and I suppose also to you and I, Sarah, I suppose I just want to kind of have an opportunity for both of us just to not only question what we do, but also just to I suppose make sure we're on the right path because uh, honestly, if anyone sits down and tells you that they've figured out this business thing, they're lying. Totally lying. <laughs> completely lying. <laughs> It's 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 hard, you know, and and we're all battling with our insecurities and whatnot, and and uh, and and we're dealing with uh, these ideas that we've formed in our head, you know. Like some friends of mine in, in America have started a business um, podcast, uh, entrepreneur kind of podcast, and and they're kind of giving advice and whatnot, and 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 it's fine, it's all good advice, but then part, like inside, deep deep down inside of me, I'm like, guys, you've all got full time bloody jobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so part of like like as you, even as you and I talk about this like there's there's threads of insecurity in it but there's also threads of like well no I've figured this out for me and maybe you can tear a thread of uh, wisdom or intelligence or don't do that um, from this conversation because I like to think that the as a business person, there's no failures. There's just a list of things I won't do again. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I'll tell you, as a start to the whole pricing war, I wanted to um, talk about it'll be five years ago, um, a couple, five years and a month ago that I did my first um, wedding expo. And I stood there on a Friday night of the Queensland Brides Expo. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I we're probably about 20 minutes away from opening and I didn't know what I was going to charge because I had no idea because I just wanted to be a seller and I just wanted to go to weddings. And I literally Googled celebrants and I found a couple of celebrants for 500, one or two celebrants for 600. I thought I'll be 550, done. <laughs> <laughs> and then I and then I thought, well, I need, I need to have a product. I need to have like, you know, what am I selling? I'm obviously selling me doing marriage ceremonies. But then I thought, you know what? I'll say, if you book me this week, I'll MC your reception for free. Wow. 20 receptions. Wow. 20 receptions for free. Right now, that's worth uh, $2,200, to me. So that week, to build my business, I gave away $22,000 worth of me emceeing receptions. Plus, I also was charging $550. I now charge $1,500 for a local wedding. And so, uh, you know, uh, Am I doing my math? Yeah, yeah. twenty, yeah, twenty thousand. So yeah, so that's uh, yeah, forty odd thousand dollars. Um, if I was to sell those twenty today, it's a forty thousand dollar difference into what I sold that week. Uh, and you know what? I actually I don't regret that at all. It gave me a lot of time to figure out who I was. And and next week's podcast, which is going to be a pre-record because I'm going to be in California, we're actually going to be talking about a few of these things um, in a. Uh, a bit of the top 10 um, tips for new celebrants. But it gave me an opportunity to find myself and to figure out what I, you know, who I was as a celebrant, what I did and what made me different and all that kind of jazz. And so I don't regret that. And you know what? You could have spent the $40,000 on a business coach or I could have spent the $40,000 on pretty much all working for free. <laughs> <laughs> but I figured out who I was. So, And look, I'm, I'm in a similar position. I started at 550 as well. And at my first expo, I had a book me in the next 30 days for $50 off and, in fact, book me Boom. book me today and you get $100 in fact, off. if you book me yesterday, I will buy you a house. <laughs> <laughs> now, I took, I took five bookings on the day and five bookings in the, in the following weeks. And for me, as a brand-new celebrant with one wedding under my belt, that was, yeah, that was massive. Great. And that was, you know, it got me some runs on the board. And I did have people saying to me, oh, you're undercharging, you know, you're not valuing the rest of us. But I'm like, yeah, but you've been a celebrant for five years and you've done, you know, however many hundreds of weddings and I've done one. I can't charge the same as you. That wouldn't be fair and that that would be weird. So it got me some runs on the board and, as you say, it gave me time to do lots of weddings and figure out where I sat and what I like to do and, and, you know, now – although not sitting anywhere quite near you in the pricing market, I am sitting at $900 at the moment, which I'm quite comfortable at. And, you know, that's working for me uh, and it's giving me, it's paying my bills right now. Which is which the is most great. important thing. Uh, a, a conversation popped up in the Winning Experts pod, like, uh, not podcast, the Winning Experts Facebook group um, where uh, I was 
Um, I was a douchebag. <laughs> there was a, uh, <laughs> I, I got a screenshot of a celebrant in a, um, in a, a brides and grooms Facebook page. And that celebrant advertised herself for $490. Um, and she brings chairs and stuff and all this stuff. And she does a great job. And I've got, you know, I've got no doubt she does a great job. So, but she was advertising herself for 490 And I commented saying, this is a great deal. The New South Wales birth, death, and marriage is charged just 533. You should get onto this. <laughs> um, cheeky AF. Uh, cheeky. Yeah, but I, Very cheeky. Um, and I posted that screenshot in the Winning Experts group saying, like, how do you guys deal when people significantly undercharge from you? And, and a lot, one guy really started honing in on the conversation. He wanted to know how many hours do we put into each wedding? And then, and then what's our hourly rate? And, and that's a conversation that gets me off uh, offside for a few reasons. Um, I suppose, first of all, every single couple and every single ceremony, wedding, funeral, otherwise, um, there's there's different hours that go into each one. So it kind of reminds me, um, I used to do uh, front of house sounds. That's sound mixing for live bands. So when you hear the audio come out the speakers, you would... Um, yeah, but there was a mixing engineer, sound engineer mixing, and I did that for a little bit of the time, like not big time. I was just you know, local shit, and uh, and I'd always done sound for crappy bands, and that was really hard because you got to be twisting the um, parabolic EQs and and trying to figure out the um, the best sound. It was hard doing it for crappy bands, but one day I got a really good band, and the sound for that was easy because they knew what they wanted. They just damn bam 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 was the easiest gig I'd ever had, and I kind of feel it's a little bit like that with couples sometimes, like. Um, and actually, so good bands and crappy bands doesn't exactly transmit, but some couples, you know how some couples, the ceremony just flows, everything's like the planning for it. Everything is just easy. Yeah. Cause they know what they want and they know themselves and they know their guests and they, they know exactly what they want and it's, and it's easy. And, and some couples like, and this isn't, this isn't a negative mark on them. Some couples just, it's just more hours. And so the hourly rate. Because those couples don't necessarily know what they want. They need us to educate them. And they need us to pull information out of them. That's not saying that they're bad or good. It's just that they require more hours. This is true. So there's um so there's that hourly element which is a bit weird. And if you were to charge an hourly rate, I, I, you know what? Maybe this is a crazy awesome business idea. Like say, sure, I, I'm not. You know, my fees are fifteen hundred. I'm one hundred and fifty an hour, and I'll just literally charge you every hour that I invest into your ceremony. At the end of the wedding, you get an invoice, and maybe maybe that's not a terrible idea. I don't know. Well, it's a it's a it's how Dally and other funeral celebrants prefer to charge. Really. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And, you on know, an hourly rate. I've just kind of thought of this right now. The thing is, that's not how I charge. Um, uh, I, I put a put a Facebook post up on the Celebrant.fm um, Facebook page, and uh, Tanil, who's supposed to be on a honeymoon, I don't know what you're doing on Facebook today, Tanil. Uh, Tanil, a celebrant from um, uh, Adelaide. She got married last weekend. She, um, she. I'm just going to bring up the page now, so I can answer. I can bring up her answer word for word um i asked well what do you think is the closest relative like uh you know like i'm talking in a family sense to celebrancy in a profession wise and um Tenille says a conveyance a conveyance perhaps in the sense that they're someone to facilitate the legal proceedings on your behalf but as she also recognizes perhaps more of a distant cousin kind of relative because the conveyance isn't also I guess a creative, a creative, yeah. Um, but you're, you know, you're fine if you hire a conveyancer. Like, yes, there are some individual fees, but there's generally just a you get them on a retainer. This is the fee that it costs, and you'll find so many professionals charge like that. They've got set fees around what they do, a monthly retainer or whatnot. There's def- there's definitely different ways of charging, but there's also industry accepted ways of charging. Um, and a lot of, oh, I hate to use it, but entrepreneurial uh, training teaches not to charge an hourly rate. Yeah. A lot of the training I've been to over the last few, four years has said, you know, hourly rate is is just bad because then you're only charging for your time. And what if you're really efficient and amazing at what you do, you get char- you get paid less than the person next to you who, you know, takes 10 hours to do what you take one hour to do. And that doesn't mean that your quality is less. It just means that you take less time to do it. And, you know, the whole hourly rate employment situation is, is a dying trend. It came around as a result of the, of the factory um, revolution, the industrial revolution, that we wanted to get uh, people that didn't have to think, they just had to do. Uh, they had to like, like uh, the, the people that have just been let go from the Ford factory a couple of months ago, um, they didn't have to think. They were just told to do this and do this. And I'm not saying they couldn't think. 
but in their job, they're told, don't think, we the company thinks, you just do, and we'll pay you an hourly rate just to do, because that's all you're worth is your time. Uh, but particularly as a marriage celebrant, we're not just paid to do, we're also paid to think. How often have you been sitting there at nine o'clock at night watching TV, and like, ah, just got this idea for... Um, whether it's a ceremony, whether it's the podcast, whether it's a business idea, a Facebook post, and where do you slip that thought into the hourly charging method? Because it doesn't fit anywhere for me. So when it comes to me pricing myself, I'm not charging an hourly rate. I'm charging a rate that allows me to operate in business on an annual sense and 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 be in business for this number of people. Because I can't marry thousands, I can't marry 10. There's a number that that kind of allows me to, like I can deal quite confidently with X number of people and the business has these expenses and I want to earn this much um, and that math works out too. Blush. But you're also paying what the market will pay you. True. So it, I find this pricing thing so fascinating with celebrants because on one hand in private celebrant Facebook groups, you get people complaining about people undercutting them. And, you know, as Karen is saying, the howling about undervaluing uh, each other and, and our profession. But on the other hand, when you go to a bride and groom couple page uh, or group and somebody puts up their hand and goes, I've just had a quote for $1,400 from my celebrant. How does that sound? A bunch of celebrants will jump on and go, oh, that's far too much. You don't, that's ridiculous. What could they possibly be charging that much for? This is how much I charge. And I think that's much more reasonable. So it's really interesting to me that we kind of have these two different conversations, whereas privately within our celebrant groups, we go, yeah, we should be charging more and people should be valuing us. And then in public with our couples, we get this, oh no, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's actually kind of crazy, hey? It's, it's really crazy. And so in this in the private celebrant field, we're getting people howled down for not charging enough. And in the public couple field, we're getting people howled down for charging too much. Well, and, and that also happens like in that Wedding Experts Facebook group. There, um, <laughs> I actually posted a comment because the comment thread got deleted because everyone got too angry. And I was, I, I think I stayed fairly calm, but I was also answering questions. And uh and in a new conversation they started on there where they said, sorry, it's been deleted. I said, um, you tell people they should earn more and they go nutso uh, that, that maybe it's okay for them not to be broke. Maybe it's okay for them not to operate a charity. Maybe they can actually get charged with their worth. And look, I'm going to be completely honest. I, um, I, I enjoy my business. I want to do this for the rest of my life. I've got, I haven't got an, I haven't got a plan B. Like I haven't got, you know, like a, I've, I've talked to other people and they're like, I'm going to you know, get, build a big celebrant business, have like celebrants under me. I'm like, you know, I've got no, I've got nothing in my heart wants to do that. I, I tried that for a little bit and it was hell. Um, so I, I want to do this for life. And, and I, even at the price I'm charging, like we are so far from rich. Like I charge 1500 per wedding. People think I'm rolling and I'm like, you've got no idea how a business works. <laughs> like it's, it's, Cause you have a lot of expenses. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, yeah, like it I, costs I, you money. I, I've even, I've even managed to reduce our advertising spend. A couple of years ago, it was $25,000 a year. Now it's close to the 10 to $15,000 a year. Um, so, so we're trying to reduce expenses, but we're not rolling in it. And so part of this, and this is me being honest, I um I would love everyone else to feel the freedom to charge what they're worth to ch- and even more than what they're worth. They can charge a good fee because honestly, as they do that, um, it, it validates the rest of us charging a good fee. And if we're all like, you know, we, we I don't want a price fix. I don't want everyone to charge what I charge. I don't want everyone to charge any amount. I just want you to charge an amount that you're proud of, that you, if you charge that amount, then your expenses are covered. You can have a martini at the end of the day and life is good because we provide such a highly skilled, highly talented, highly personal, emotionally taxing service. We, we aren't, we aren't products on a shelf. We are humans. And I, I, I don't know how you guys feel. I walk away from some weddings and I'm like, wow, I am emotionally drained. Like that just took it from me. Uh, whether it was, whether it was because the crowd was hard or whether it was because it was 47 degrees. I don't know. Like I walk away and like, I have worked a day today. Like I have earned my fee. Um, and, and I want everyone else to also feel okay when that happens because they're getting paid for it. I still remember the last $550 wedding I did. I, 
told Brit because at that point I was charging about twelve hundred dollars, <laughs> and um, it was took about two years to get there, and and yeah, I uh, I just remember thinking, thank God, like I I gave them the same level of service that a fifteen hundred dollar wedding would get today, but I remember thinking I'm not getting paid what I'm worth here, and uh, and you start to resent those couples then. Yeah. You start, particularly the ones who are a bit harder work, you know, if you're not getting paid what you think you're worth and the the value that you give, you start to resent them. And unfortunately, that can, that can come out in our work. And I know that we're all professionals and we try really hard not to let that come out in our work, but it's human nature that it can happen. I have found myself being snappier with couples who are paying me less because I'm, you know, somewhere deep inside me, I'm resenting them for getting me at a cheap deal and, you know, and then two years later coming to their wedding when I'm now charging a significant amount more. So I do think that, yeah, we need to be proud of what we what we charge and we need to feel comfortable. It's also about we have to feel comfortable with the number, you know, that it's hard to say, hey, this is what I charge. You have to take a little bit to get used oh, to that. yeah, yeah. But I, but I mean, I do, from Karen's perspective, I do come back to, I don't think we should be howling at each other about devaluing uh, the profession because I do think that there does, there does come a point where everyone does have to feel comfortable with what they're charging. And if you feel comfortable and you feel valued and you feel proud of yourself at the end of the day, then that's okay. But make sure you're charging what you're worth. Don't charge less just to get the work, I think is what we're saying here. Don't charge, a, a, you know, a small amount of money forever just so that you can get lots of work uh, because you'll end up not being able to uh, cover all of your expenses and all of your time spent and you'll end up resenting those those couples. And that does end up devaluing our profession because, people are charging less than what we're worth. But if you feel that you're charging the amount that you're worth and that you are valued for what you provide, then that's okay. Dare I say, at least make it as much as the bloody registry office. <laughs> <laughs> but I have arguments about that too. I know, too. I know. I'm just... Um, <laughs> and I, and, I, will, and I, I will actually just give you my little registry office argument right, um, because a lot of people have mention this to me. One of I have three price points. I'm very transparent about what I charge. It's on my website. Exactly what you get for each of my price points is outlined on my website. I have separate information booklets, all of that. One of my price points is for a legals only ceremony and I charge $330 for that. Yeah. That is less than the registry office. Oh yeah, no, no. I wasn't talking about, about the registry signing for the cost of registry office. No. And I and I agree. And but let me get to that. Um so for my legals only ceremony that I do charge less than the registry office, I do that because you get less yeah. with my legals only than you get at the registry office. At the registry, you get a ceremony. It might only be a 10-minute standard ceremony with someone who doesn't really care, but you do actually get a ceremony. There's an aisle you can walk down. They play music. You can have guests, all of that sort of thing. So for my $330 that people are saying, why are you charging less than the registry? Because I'm providing less than the registry. So as you say, for somebody who's providing a premium personalized ceremony that's written specifically for the couple and they're providing all sorts of, you know, chairs and tables and, and red carpet and decorations and so forth, absolutely don't charge less than the registry office at a very minimum. Uh, but, of course, that amount also varies around per state. Every state registry office charges differently. So in... Facebook groups that are national, this is another difficult conversation to have when you're talking about absolute dollars because, you know, in one state, the registry office charges $540 and in one state, another state, it's more like $350. So, you know, when you're talking about, oh, but you only charge that amount and the registry office charge, well, no, but in my state, the registry office charges less. So, you know, I think that we have to be careful about having those national conversations without having all of the information. But, yes, I, I would think as a starting point, if you are providing a premium service, 
the registry office price is a good place to start as a very bottom. Well, and, and even if I could reword premium, like if you're getting out of bed and putting pants on and going somewhere else, like to to do <laughs> to, to do a ceremony. So I'm not talking about reg- registry style. Like if you're if you're gonna put pants on and go somewhere and talk more than the registry office, that's my bottom line. Like, but if you're doing like registry only, yeah, yeah like honestly, undercut everyone, go for it, go hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's the, that's the difference. I am. Um, I, I I wanted to round out the conversation with um just as an encouragement so that people could understand how I kind of view my pricing structure. Um, and and I, I'm not going to give you the nitty-gritty like, oh, I put $10 in for advertising. Uh, but I can tell you that I kind of value a lead at around $25 to $30. That's kind of my advertising-ish hope. Um, doesn't always work that way, but that's what I kind of hope for. But uh, I, I was talking to um, Alex, uh, who's a photographer in Adelaide, Boutique Blinks. We had a coffee the other day um, when I was down there for the wedding. And and I was encouraging him on on part of the philosophy behind why I charge what I charge. And it's it's simple when it's this, that you're not charge I'm not charging to be available for a set number of hours. I'm not for it's not for a set number of meetings or a set number of minutes for a ceremony. Um I'm I'm charging the fee that I call, that I charge so that I can afford to be in business today to have that sales meeting with the couple that don't book me. So I can afford to be in business today for the sales meeting with a couple that do book me. So I can afford to be um, available for the 5,000 emails. doesn't include this. And, and honestly, because like, where do you put that into an hourly fee? And if they don't book you, where do you put it? So um, I can afford to be in business today for those operations. More so, I can afford to be in business over the next year or two or three um, as the couple are planning their wedding and we can meet up and answer emails and do forms. And, you know, I've just moved to the Queensland BDM online system. So I'm retyping all of my um, all my paperwork uh, couples, uh, all of my couples, we do retyping all of the paperwork details into the Queensland BDM. There's nowhere in line in that for our hourly system. And, uh, and then when their wedding occurs in a year or two, I am so flipping pumped for their wedding. Like I'm not rocking. I'm like, oh god, it's Jack and Jill's wedding this weekend. I hate them. <laughs> they pay me five hundred bucks, or or we've been doing this for a year. But like, they pay me a they pay me a fee so that I am excited about rocking out to their wedding in a year or two. And and more than that, when I get to their wedding, I am rested. I've had a day off that week. I've had a holiday. I can I can afford to live because I'm a full time practicing celebrant, and and the fee that I charge isn't only to cover the hourly expenditure of their ceremony, but it affords me the opportunity to run a full-time business and to have a day off and, and to, to, to get these little things that some people would call luxuries, but honestly, it's part of being human. And I understand the whole takeoff mentality that I was there charging 5.50, doing weekends of the wedding. Um, and I apologize if I say 5.50, is it that? I just say it as a joke. Um, I charge 550, uh, you know, doing that on the weekend to, uh, to build my business. But you don't forever stay in acceleration mode. Eventually, you've got to figure out how to find your cruising altitude. And I would argue that that's harder than acceleration. Because anyone can charge $500, drop some Facebook ads, and book 30 weddings. Heck, I did it. Um, but the harder thing, and this is where I'll really value those people that have the business podcast or the or the people that write the book or do the workshops, what I really value is like, oh, so not only have you accelerated, but you've been your cruising attitude for a couple of years. That's what I value. Tell me how you're doing that. Love it. Love it. Love it. Sarah, um, we've just popped over the hour mark. Um, sounds like a podcast. I think it might be. I think it might be. And just to, just to my final thought about this pricing thing is are you going to give away your home address so we can egg your house? Is that what's happening? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but I just want to say this is not about criticism. This is not about saying people are doing a bad job. This is not about any of that. It's about encouraging you to charge what you're worth. Coming up next, uh, no, then the next episode of the podcast, it's going to be a top 10 tips for new celebrants. So if you're not a new celebrant, you might find it really boring. Oh, hey, you might be encouraged. Uh, but we're um, just giving a uh, shout out to Emily who uh, made a request for that. We thought it'd be a nice little episode to pre-record while uh, I'm in the uh, USA. I've got two ceremonies in Joshua Tree and then we're doing a bit of a road trip. So that'll be fun. And plus, I thought it'd be nice to record an episode for that period, particularly his same-sex marriage is being debated and and being um, hashed out in the court, in the not the courts in Parliament. Uh, I'd hate to try and sound like we were current when we weren't. That would be awkward. Yeah, <laughs> excellent point. 
So with any luck, the next time you and I um, do a current podcast, we'll be able to talk about same-sex marriage um, in a factual manner. But uh, we'll see how we go. We, we Hopefully, like, it'll just be a thing and then we can start talking about marriage. Totally, because, like, you and I have got a topic list. Like, there's literally, like, 15, 20 topics here that we are probably never going to get to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. We'll get there. Sarah, thank you so much. Hey, did you remind people how to contact us? No, I haven't done that at all. Uh, <laughs> the website where you can see all the show notes for this episode, um, links and uh, the stuff that we mentioned, you can contact us, um, send an email, or like Karen did, do a voice memo on your phone and email it in. It's all at celebrant.fm and the email address is hello at celebrant.fm. Thank you for listening. Thanks so much, guys. Look at you. You're just sticking around for the end, seeing what the tease is like. God bless you. Hey, uh, FreshBooks, they pay us a couple of bucks when you guys sign up for them. So if you're keen on this, sign up and a couple of dollars goes towards the program. It means we can look after the hosting and we can look after website hosting, domain names and podcast hosting and all that kind of gear. Uh, so straight out, I'll tell you, celebrant.fm slash FreshBooks. That's the link you should follow. And if you follow that and sign up for FreshBooks, you get a uh, 60-day free trial. Plus, we get a couple of dollars on the side. Now, why do you want to go to FreshBooks? You know what? It's actually super simple. Like, you just raise and against the clock. You got couples, you got scripts, you got emails. It's like, ah, I'm dying. And you might not have any cash. Well, send those invoices you've been meaning to do. Like, life as a celebrant is not easy. You got paperwork, you got emails. It's all crazy. But our friends at FreshBooks reckon that the rewards are so, so, so worth it. And it's so easy to get ahead of yourself here. So, FreshBooks has been redesigned from the ground up, custom built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid real quickly. We all know FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. We're creating and sending professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. So you look hashtag legit. Uh, set up online payments. You can get just paid with a credit card. Bam, bam, bam. Couple of clicks. And four days later, the money's in your account. Um, you can see when your client has seen your invoice. So you put an end to the whole guessing game. Like, oh, I sent the invoice for the deposit. They haven't paid it, but they've looked at it. You sneaky rascals. So to try FreshBooks free for 60 days, go to celebrant.fm slash FreshBooks. Celebrant, C-E-L-B-R-A-N-T dot F-M forward slash FreshBooks. F-R-E-S-H-B-O-O-K-S. 